Hello, everyone, and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, a weekly way of expanding your brain six refreshing facts at a time. My name is Alex, and this week, it's St. Patrick's Day. And in honor of the Irish holiday, we're diving into the stuff many a leprechaun has guarded and the nitrogenated wonder of the Emerald Isle. It's time for gold and Guinness. Sure, gold is used for jewelry and golden calves and all that good stuff, but its properties are pretty amazing apart from the visual impact. Gold is the most malleable metal there is. A single gram of it can be beaten into an 11 square foot sheet, and a single ounce can be beaten into a 300 square foot sheet. Even more impressive, gold can be stretched into a wire just a single atom thick, and then pulled even more from there before it finally breaks. Gold leaf can be beaten so thin that it's basically transparent, which is used to great effect in spacesuits. To protect astronauts from the sun's harmful UV radiation, an extremely thin layer of gold is applied to the spacesuit visors. How thin? 0.000002 inches thick. Thin enough to easily see through, but thick enough to safely shield against some nasty radiation effects. We've seen it a million times. The plucky adventurer discovers a tattered map, travels to where X marks the spot, and digs up a chest filled to the brim with pirate gold. This scenario is not nearly as common as movies would lead you to believe, but there were a couple instances of legitimate buried pirate gold. In one, Francis Drake buried several caches of silver and gold along the Panamanian coast after a raid on a Spanish mule train to prevent it from being retaken. But it wasn't left there unattended. Drake posted guards at each location to ensure a swift recovery after meeting up with his ships. Another sea captain, William Kidd, didn't get as lucky. A notorious pirate of the Indian Ocean shipping routes, Kidd landed in New York in 1699 and proceeded to bury millions of dollars in gold on Gardner's Island for safekeeping. Shortly afterward, he was arrested in Boston. While trying to escape legal doom, authorities tracked down the treasure and recovered the bulk of it. Kid was later transported to London and hanged. It doesn't pay to be a pirate, kids. Gold is obviously mined from the earth, but it didn't just magically appear there. Increasingly, scientists believe that all of the precious metal actually came from space. In 2017, Gravity waves were detected for the first time ever thanks to what astronomers believe was a cataclysmic collision between two hyperdense neutron stars. To be clear, the detection of gravity waves was a major, major discovery for science, but we were able to learn more from that massive astronomical event by studying the light and radiation emitted by it. In discovering the various wavelengths present in the emitted light, astronomers were able to deduct the chemicals created and ejected during the explosion following the collision. Now, the material ejected from the explosion traveled at about one-third the speed of light, so the light spectrum is a little blurred. But one thing was for sure. Gold was there. One of the lead researchers estimated the collision created about as much gold as the mass of the Earth. In other words, 6 billion 
trillion tons of gold. But this wasn't trillions of gold nuggets floating around in space. The gold is first ejected as a gas cloud that, over a long time, coalesces into various celestial bodies thanks to gravity. During the formation of the Earth, most of the planet's gold, about 99.5% of it, sank into the molten core. Thankfully, for gold lovers at least, the early Earth was bombarded by meteorites containing more of the precious metal, helping seed the planet with the glittering material we mine today. If gold is good, beer is great. And there's no other beer on Earth that screams Ireland more than Guinness. In 1759, a 34-year-old Arthur Guinness signed the lease for the St. James's Gat Brewery in Dublin, Ireland. This wasn't your typical lease. Guinness paid £100 up front and sealed in a nine-thousand-year-long lease at an annual rent of £45. The brewery was one almost in name only. It had very little brewing equipment and was only four acres big. But the lease included access to a free water supply, not a bad thing to have when producing beer in 1759. According to one story, local authorities once tried to make Guinness pay for the water, but he brandished a pickaxe and swore at them until they left him alone. Despite the small headquarters and lack of brewing equipment, Guinness built up a successful business and began exporting his beer to England in 1769. Today, 10 million glasses of the beer are thrown back every single day. A little fun fact that should warm your heart is that Guinness was one of the first companies to offer its employees benefits. In 1928, just a couple years before the Great Depression, employees were entitled to on-site medical and dental care and, maybe best of all, two free pints of Guinness after every shift. Guinness World Records has famously tracked loads of impressive feats, from the longest tongue to the stretchiest skin, and while the record keepers and the beer are no longer formally linked, there is a fun origin there. In 1951, Hugh Beaver, the managing director for the brewery at the time, was on a hunting expedition when he fired at, and missed, a game bird. Later, after claiming it must have been the fastest game bird in the world to have escaped his aim, Beaver discovered there wasn't really a source to find out what really was the fastest game bird in the world. So, with the help of brothers and journalists Norris and Ross McWhorter, a book of records was published in 1955. The original 50,000 copies, produced with water-repellent covers to ward off any spilled beer, were primarily meant to serve as promotional items for visitors to the brewery. But Beaver soon found out the public was much more curious about the book of records than he thought. The book has been produced ever since. Wait! Before you enjoy your first, of many, pints of Guinness today, be sure to follow the official rules for the perfect pour. Capital P, capital P. Here are the six steps straight from the beer horse's mouth. Step one, take a cool, clean, dry Guinness branded glass. Step two, hold the glass under the tap at an angle of 45 degrees. Step three, pull the handle forward until it's horizontal and fill the glass to between 15 millimeters and 20 millimeters, about three quarters of an inch from the top. Never put the tap spout into the Guinness. Step four, 
leave the surge to settle approximately 119.5 seconds. Step 5. Top up the glass by pushing the tap handle backward until the head is just proud of the glass. Do not let the stout overflow, and never use a spatula to level the head. Step 6. Hand the pint to the consumer with a steady hand. There should be no overspill. Now, this process, of course, isn't needed to drink the beer. Even the former master brewer of Guinness has admitted as such. But if you want to add a little bit of pageantry to your St. Patrick's Day, and really, who doesn't, this is certainly one way to do it. And you get a beer at the end. What's better than that? And that is that. Whether you're itching to go on a treasure hunt or just want to settle in for a refreshing pint of the good stuff, I hope you have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day. Until the next six-pack of facts, slancha! And, as always, stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then, share the show with a friend. The more, the factier. Stay thirsty.